Why don't you turn to Genesis chapter, let's see here, 28. Would you turn there with me, please? Genesis 28, and then we'll read a few verses there and then shoot to Genesis 35. So Genesis 28, if you've got it, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, you're all on those cell phones, that's why. <laughs> shoot, I, I, I'm old school here, man. So let's take a look at Genesis 28, verses 12 through 22. I'm reading from the New International Version, and uh, let's start. It says, he had a dream in which the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. Through the city, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be, a, will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now turn to Genesis 35 just for a moment. Let's read verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Pick it up at verse 11. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and the kings will come from your body. The land I give to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you. I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. And Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him. And he poured out a drink offering on it and also poured oil on it. And Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible church that you are raising up to touch not only this city, but our world. I thank you for the leadership of this house. I thank you for the marvelous way you're working to bring about your will and purpose through your people. So I'm asking tonight, come on people, let's just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm asking you, Lord, to come upon me with great liberty and great freedom. I'm asking you, Lord, tonight to move in power upon this congregation. Give us ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see. Lord, I'm thankful because you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could even ask or think. And Lord, I thank you for the freedom you're going to give us tonight to receive from you. So I pray, Lord, that give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, and eyes to see. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of every year, I seek the Lord for a word from heaven, for my church, 
and for the places that I may go and preach that year. And each year, God's been so kind to give me a word. This year, the word was one word. It was the word multiply. Everybody say it with me. What? Multiply. Multiply. I became so consumed by this word. I began to search the scriptures for this word. And I began to realize that this word is a word that will change your life. In fact, you'll notice in just a moment when we read the book of Genesis that this word is tied to the blessing of God. So I'm going to ask all of you to say this with me. I am blessed and I will multiply. Now that was okay, but I didn't think you really said it like you should say it. Are you ready? On three. One, two, three. I am blessed and I will multiply. When you look at the book of Genesis, you will notice that every time or on most occasions when God begins to bless somebody, there is always the aspect of multiplication. Take a look at what he says in Genesis 1.28. He's talking to Adam and Eve. He said, be fruitful and multiply. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. With Noah in Genesis 9.1, God blessed Noah and his son saying, be fruitful and multiply. He said it again just a few verses later in, John, in, in Genesis 9, 7. He said to Noah, as for you, be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. When he talks to Abraham, you see the same phraseology in Genesis 12, 2. He talks about how God's going to bless him and make him a great nation. And so great will he be that he will bless the world. Somebody ought to get excited. And so blessed will he be that those who bless him will be blessed and those who curse him will be cursed. He goes on. You'll notice in Genesis 12 too. He talks about multiplication and, 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 and you'll, you'll, you'll notice that he goes on to talk there in Genesis 13 about this multiplication. He states that Abraham became very wealthy. Genesis 13, 1 talks about a multiplication in wealth for him. And God promised him Canaan's land. And then he said, look, he said, I'm going to make you like the dust of the earth. If you can count the dust, you'll be able to count your descendants. Somebody say multiply. multiply. In Genesis 15, before Abraham had any children, God had him look outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. He said, so shall, your, so shall your offspring be. Somebody say multiply. multiply. Abraham's 99 years old. And in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, God said, I am, I am the almighty God, or I'm El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and you and I will multiply thee. Are you still with me here? The promise to Abraham extended to his two sons, both Ishmael and Isaac in Genesis 17, 20 and Genesis 26, 4. Everyone, for just a moment, because I need to get 
you to have this in your spirit. It's not just words that you say. You have to believe that when God blesses you, there is going to be a dynamic that flows out from you. It's called multiplication. Are you with me here? So I want you to say it like you really mean it. I'm blessed and I will multiply. Say it again. I am blessed and I will multiply. I don't know if I can express to you the power of that truth. But when you look at the story that we just read of Jacob, you see it lived out. Jacob was born in a dysfunctional family. I won't ask how many of you had the same experience. But some people excuse themselves from the blessings of God because they came from a dysfunctional family. Not only was he in a dysfunctional family, but he himself was a problem. He scammed his brother out of his birthright and out of his blessing. He had a brother that's trying to kill him. So his mom sets up a pretext. Oh, I got to send Jacob out to find a wife and I want the wife among my family. He's trying to get Jacob out of town before he's killed by his brother Esau. So you notice something when Jacob leaves his home, he leaves with absolutely nothing. He has only the clothes on his back. He's going to a place he knows little about other than it's mama's family. And you'll notice something that the first thing we read about when we read our text tonight is that he comes to a place called Bethel and there he experiences God. Just as his grandfather Abraham did. In the very same place. And you'll notice that he, the picture is very clear. He sleeps at Bethel and God reveals himself. And in this revelation that God gives him, God blesses him. God does what? Come on, say it with me. He does what? He blesses him. And you'll notice that the very nature of that blessing is going to be multiplication. Now, he has absolutely nothing, just the clothes on his back. He doesn't even really know what's going to happen when he gets to Laban's house. But you'll notice that 20 years later, we read that he comes back to the exact same place, Bethel. Only 20 years later, you see this dynamic of multiplication on his life. And what is so amazing about this is that he was gone for 20 years. 14 years he worked to just get his two wives. And then the last six years he worked to get flocks. Because Laban, his uncle, had been cheating him all those years. But what's so amazing is when he gets back to Bethel in Genesis 30, 43, here's what it says. Jacob grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maid servants and men servants and camels and donkeys. Here's a man who had absolutely nothing except one thing, the blessing of God. And out of that blessing came a multiplication even when he was cheated 
time and time and time and time again. You don't know what you have. The blessing of God is real. It's not some little religious game. When God has his hand of blessing on you, my friend, there will be multiplication. You see, I believe God is speaking to us tonight. When I was reading those passages, it dawned on me that multiply is a command and a blessing. It's a what? Command and what? A blessing. You see, I believe we must do our part and then God will bless it. And we see this so clearly in the life of Jacob. For example, the first thing you'll notice that happens with Jacob is he comes into covenant with God. There are people that want to be blessed by God, but they've never made covenant with God. They think if they can just hang out at the church, they're okay. It don't work that way. There has to be that relationship with God, a yearning for God, a desire for him to fill your life. You commit your life to him. It's covenant. And you'll notice that's what happened with Jacob. He came into covenant with God and he expressed it, believe it or not, by tithing. Now think about that. There was no law given. How in the world does he come and say, I'll give 10%? There was, no, there was no preacher preaching it. There was no law on Mount Sinai that said he had to do that. There was an instinctive thing in him. It was in Abraham as well as grandfather. That when you come into covenant with God, it means you are coming into a relationship with him where he is first and even first over your money. Wow. So he says, I'm going to be a tither like my grandpa. But the second thing you'll notice is he stayed free of defilement. When you read Genesis 35, you'll notice that he told his family to get rid of the idols. It was an act of repentance. And when he did that, God protected him because there were things that has been done by his children that would have caused his entire family to be wiped out. But instead, because they got rid of the idols and they repented, God's terror fell upon everyone around them so that nobody touched them. It reminds me of Abraham in Genesis 17 when God gave him a promise and said to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. Listen, there's a point where all of us need to understand repentance isn't something you do once. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's a brokenness before God. And every time any aspect of our fallen human nature is expressed through us, we quickly repent. I've learned long ago that if I hide within my pride, my stupidity, the devil will use that and manipulate me and have a hook in me. So I'm quick to repent. I have a wife that I've got to repent to. And she slaps me upside the head and prays for me. It's awesome. <laughs> but you see, I, don't, I know how the enemy works. 
That's why I've written all these books on the demonic. I did my doctoral dissertation on demons. I don't I understand how they operate, and I don't want any of you to rob be robbed of the blessing of God because of your stupidity. You walk blameless before the Lord. If there's any air of your life, you repent quickly. Thirdly, you'll notice about Jacob, he was a worshiper. When you look at Genesis 35, verse 1, he built that altar there at Bethel. You see, he made church a high priority. He made worship a high priority. Now, I'm probably talking to the choir because you're here on a Wednesday night. That's an, amazing, that's an amazing feat in America. You know that, don't you? We have one-hour dry cleaning services now. You go to church and you do it one time a week and that's it. For one hour and you're out of there and we'll be under the preacher if he goes one minute too late because you're going to miss being first in line at the cafeteria that you like. But there's got to be a priority of worship. We have to build an altar. We have to have a time every day where we spend with the Lord. Back in 19... 84, my father joined my staff, one of the great missionaries. He started one of the great works in India, pastored the largest church in the Philippines for many years. And when he retired, he joined my staff. I'd been on Maui for about four years. I'd gone to a little church of 100. It had exploded, became one of the fastest growing churches in America. Within a year and a half, it was already running 1,000 people. And God sent my dad and mom there, although retired, to do one thing that I look back on now. If he hadn't done, I'd have been in deep trouble. He started an early morning prayer meeting. Are you still with me? He started an early morning prayer meeting, and I'll tell you what he did. He prayed. And he got our whole congregation to pray. So for 35 years... Every morning from 5.30 to 6.30, all through KC, all of my extensions, there's a prayer meeting. It's what saved us. It's what keeps us alive. We've been walking on water a long time. I'm in seven building programs right now. We're buying buildings here and buildings there. Hello. You want financial pressure? I'll tell you about financial pressure. But it's those prayer meetings. And that brings me then to the fourth aspect of what we must do is pray. In Genesis 32, 9, God answered prayer that was prayed. Please, friend, get it into your lifestyle. Get it in your lifestyle. Don't let it just be the time you go do something like you do when you have a toothache. You go to a dentist's office. Nobody's hangs out at a dentist's office. They only go there when they're in trouble. And some of you only pray when you're in trouble. Shame on you. Prayer is a communion with God. It's a relationship with God. And you have to allow that to happen so you position yourself for blessing and multiplication. Fifth, you got to be obedient to God's word. You know, it's interesting to me in Genesis 31, 3, God speaks to Jacob. He says, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Now, that doesn't seem like a big issue, but remember what's waiting for him. 
back home, a brother who's trying to kill him. And then he also has a problem with his uncle Laban because uncle Laban has been cheating him and the blessings of God have been on uncle Laban because of the blessing of God on Jacob. And he don't want him to leave. Plus he's got his daughters and the grandkids. All of you grandparents know if, the, if, if your kids are living with you and they got grandkids, they're not leaving. <laughs> and here God speaks to him and says, leave, go back home. Now, at that moment, you got to understand something. He either obeys or disobeys. Now, I don't know about you, but some of the times that God has spoken to me, he's spoken to me to do things that seem a little strange in the fact that they're uncomfortable. Recently he told me, he said, son, I want you to give 25,000. I want you to do it today. All right. I normally just ask my wife, I said, honey, what do you think? And she agrees with God. And then I have to obey. Are you hearing me? You know, sometimes people think that, that obedience is easy. Obedience isn't easy. Sometimes it's difficult because it goes against what we want. Like witness to that person. I don't want to witness to that person. Get up and pray. I don't want to get up and pray. I want to stay in bed. But the sixth thing is, he not only obeyed God, and when he obeyed God, God intervened and rescued him from Laban. Amazing. But the sixth thing is, he persevered, and God gave him a new name, a transformed life. You say, what are you talking about? Well, in Genesis 32, you know, know the story. Jacob wrestled. I believe he wrestled with the theophany. I believe he wrestled with Jesus himself who came into time at that moment. A theophany is, a, is, is God revealed in the Old Testament in time and space. You see that happening. And in that moment, he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. And he was given a new name. He was transformed and a new name meant a new life. And he was marked from that point on by, by that act. He limped. It was a mark of humility. He realized his necessity for the blessing of God. He persevered. He didn't give up. But number seven, he not only persevered, he worked hard. What's amazing to me is some people want the blessing of God, but they're not willing to work. Boy, that went over real well, well here today. Huh? In Genesis 31, 6, he says, You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. Writing a, a Proverbs says it clearly. He says, But the 
but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs 12, 24, diligence hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. The desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. Be diligent. Work hard. Get the job done. Somebody say amen. Because the blessing of God is on your life. And if you'll do these seven things, friend, you will multiply. But there's one more thing that I think all of us need to understand. And that is we must contend for his promises to be fulfilled by standing in faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand in faith. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, are you aware that barrenness stood in the way of every promise God gave to the patriarchs? Barrenness. He promised them multiplication. He promised them children. And every one married a barren wife. Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. Isaac's wife, Rebecca, was barren. Jacob's wife, Rachel, was barren. You say, what's the deal? It's because there are moments in our life where we stand on the promise of God in spite of the barrenness. You see... Peter writes it interestingly enough. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 2 Peter 1.8, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive or barren in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. That's why you're here. That's why you'll be here on Sunday. That's why you'll be in the classes. That's why you're going to, because you're going to grow in God and barrenness will leave you. Jacob believed God would multiply him. You'll notice what happens in Genesis 30. He doesn't have any flocks because Laban's cheated him. And so Laban has this deal. And, and Jacob, Jacob knows the power of God, so he goes with the deal. The deal is he gets all the speckled and spotted sheep and goats. The problem is Laban took all the speckled and spotted sheep and goats and left him only with full-colored goated goats and sheep. And so Jacob does something that's really strange. You know the story. He gets, he gets piece sticks and he peels the bark off and he sticks them in the watering troughs. And he has this idea. He says, look, when they look at those sticks, they're going to give me speckled and spotted sheep and goats. And we all go, give me a break, Jacob. It don't work that way. Don't you know anything about genetics? It had nothing to do with genetics. That was his statement of faith. That was his hope. He believed in God, the God who would multiply. And he was standing on it. And sure enough, he got sheep and goats that were speckled and spotted. In fact, he literally took nearly all of Laban's sheep. Remember what God has done for you. Don't ever forget it. Be reminded of what God has done. I have to take those moments of time, especially when I'm under grave financial pressure. God reminds me, son, did I intervene for you here? 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 That's standing in faith. Quit being a wimp. (laughs) 
Thirdly, take time to just praise the Lord. I love what it says in Psalm 113. Verse 9, he settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let the praises of the Lord be on your lips. I'm going to tell you something. I preached this message in January of this year to my church. We are multiplying. We're multiplying in every way as a church. With extensions. With our small groups. We've been, we've been, we've been praying for 700 small groups on Maui alone. That may happen within the next month. We're already up to 665. We were not anywhere near that at the beginning of the year. God's multiplying. Financially, God is multiplying us. Money coming in the mail to our church that I'd never even thought was coming. Just on Friday before I caught a plane on Sunday, I got a letter from a couple who used to attend our church 20 years before. Had been living in Florida ever since. And the husband said that his wife had died, but she wanted to do something special for our church because our church had impacted them. And in there was a check for $75,000. Out of the blue. I had one prophet that came to our church. He had an unusual gifting. One of the most unusual giftings you've ever seen. He could call your name out and your birthdays out and then he'd prophesy over you and then he would receive an offering at the end of the service for the church, not for himself. In fact, I blew up one Sunday night because one, one of the nights he was with us, I'd only planned to have him just on Sunday. I ended up having him Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And one of the nights I decided, oh, I'm going to bless the prophet. We're going to receive an offering of the prophet. I made the biggest mistake because he doesn't do that. He receives offerings only for the church. It's an anointing. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this anointing. Where does this anointing come from? And God led me to the story of a little man in a tree. And Jesus came under that tree and called him by name, Zacchaeus. And when Zacchaeus came down, he gave half away of all that he had and repaid any debt four times more that he owed. It's the exact same anointing. I've never seen it operate like that. But in that one week's time, over a half a million dollars came into the house. Never happened before. Multiplication. Somebody here is going to believe what I'm saying. I am blessed and I will multiply. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I need some people to believe with me. I've got to get it in your spirit. If you get it in your spirit, everything will change. I'm telling you, everything will change. So if you mean it, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to shout it on three. One, two, three. And blessed, and I will multiply. Give praise to Jesus. Oh, come on.
Give praise to Jesus. You know what I believe? I believe this church, God is going to do way beyond any of you even understanding what he's going to do. Now listen to me. I can't preach a message like this without doing something for this house. How many believe this house is blessed? How many believe God wants to multiply this house? Say it with me. We are blessed. And we will multiply. Now here's what we're going to do tonight. Normally, your pastor will come up and receive an offering from me. But we ain't doing that tonight. I can't help it. I want to bless this house. Now listen to me. The moment I preached that message at the end of the service that day, I received an offering for the house, for the ministry. Because I wanted to give to it. Because faith is always action. Now, if you believe this word I preach tonight, you're blessed and you're going to multiply, I want you to give. I'm going to have you be seated. I'm going to give. Now, I'm your guest speaker. But I, I said to my wife, I'm going to get $500 tonight. That may not be a lot of money to you. It's a lot of money to me. I'm going to give that right out of check, honey. I got my checkbook in there. Just go ahead and write it out. And I'm going to have the ushers come real quickly, please. I want everybody in the house to do something. Listen to me. This has everything to do with you declaring, just as Jacob did, God, I'm going to express my faith to you tonight. When he had that revelation of covenant. Listen to me. This church is called Grace Covenant Church. And I'm going to ask you to give your very best tonight. It doesn't come to me. It's going to come into this house. You say, well, we got lots of money here. Hey, I don't know of any church that has lots of money. You know why? Because whatever dollar's given, they spend it for the kingdom of God and expanding it. And your pastors have a vision to expand this house and many other locations. When you pastor one church in 275 campuses, let me tell you something. Every dollar counts. And that's what you guys are coming to be, a multi-site church. So would you get your best out? What do you do here? Do you have envelopes or what do you do? Text to give, all the rest. We're the old school. We got just write out a check, honey. Hey, you know what? Ushers, help me. Stand up here in the front, please. This is going to be something special. You're going to get up and you're going to bring it down because I want to put my check in the box. And then, Pastor Jim, we'll bring it to the Lord and we'll believe it'll multiply. That everyone who gives God's hand of blessing and multiplication be on them. Sweetheart, you got the check ready. Come on. 
Worship God. Come on, sing. Worship God. If you're ready, come on up here. Give it to these ushers quickly. Come on. Come on. Help me. Help me. Help me. Is your breath in our lungs? So we pour out a praise. Pour out a praise. Is your breath in our lungs? So we pour out a praise to you only. Is your breath in our lungs? So we Would you stand and sing it? Come on. Come on, would you worship? Pastor Jim, come. I want the ushers come put the bags together. Our hearts will cry. This world will sing. Put them on top. Prophesy. Come on, people. Reach your hands out to it. There's going to be multiplication. Lord, we pray for the grace of multiplication now. God, not only for what's in this basket, but for those that gave. God, many came here tonight completely unexpected. God, they did not come even prepared to give, but I am praying that in the next 72 hours, that God, you would bring multiplication back into finances. God, there would be unexpected money that would show up in their paycheck, show up in their mailboxes. God, there would be strange credits that would show up, even on their credit card statements. And that, God, you would not just add back, but multiply in unusual ways. And, God, we are asking that you would take this offering and use it in an unusual way. Multiply, God, we receive this word tonight. We don't just hear this word. We receive this word in Jesus' name. God's people said, Amen. Amen. You know what? Give praise to Jesus, would you? I want every, I want every head bowed just for a moment. I never want to end a message without giving people an opportunity to give their hearts to Jesus. I don't want anybody going to hell. From Washington, D.C. Just like I don't want anybody going to hell from Maui. But you might be here and you've never honestly given your heart to Jesus. You don't know for certain that heaven's your home. You'd say, Pastor Morocco, I need to get right with God. I need to have my sins forgiven and heaven to be my home. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that be you, would you slip your hand up right now, quickly, all over the auditorium. I don't want to miss a single person. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, yes. Are there others? I don't want to miss anyone. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Are there others? Yes, God bless you. Are there others? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Maybe you're away from God and you'd say, Pastor, I used to serve the Lord, but I drifted away. I'm not where I should be. I need to get right with God tonight. Pastor, include me in your prayer. Let me see your hand. Slip it up high. Yes, yes, so many. 
I want everyone to lift both hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender to God. And I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Pray it right out loud. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You believe that with me as you pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, everyone, dear Jesus, I ask you now, forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Make me brand new. You died for me on the cross so I could be forgiven. And you rose again so I could have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life now. I surrender all that I am to you, Lord. And I will live for you. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.